This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 458 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Sterling Essentials. On today's show, we talk to Emily Miles about training and riding six-year-old dressage horses. Richard Malmgren joins us again for an update about long lining, and we have a trainer tip on the older schoolmaster. Koffler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, well, hi Phil. Reese. How oh, are you? What's going on? Oh, um, goodness. It's, it's okay. You know, it's we're Yeah, it's snowing a bit, but, <laughs> so, you know, that's fine. It's March. No, I don't want to talk about that. Let's uh, talk about yeah. what's going on it's in going Wellington, on Florida. In Wellington. Well, Phil, it's very exciting here in Wellington. This week is the largest CDI in North America. Uh, I think probably ever. It's huge. I think there's over 150 horses that jogged yesterday. Um, they <laughs> literally jogged the horses and there was competition yesterday. Is, there, is this the last CDI then? Uh, is that why everybody's like more. getting in there, getting their last show miles? Last hurrah. Or, yeah. I think there's one more. There's there's okay. the Nations Cup week. Oh, um, right. Right. But I think there's this week and then next week's a national show and then the Nations Cup and then it's over. So it's wrapping up rapidly. Yeah. So yeah. it's fun. A lot of people are down here visiting this week, which is super fun. And um, we're wrapping up. So uh, we're just busy. I mean, this is you, you always think like, oh, I'm going to not be busy the last two weeks of season. And you're always really busy the last two weeks of season. So um, and then we right. kind of pack up and go home. So uh, but it's go. been really good. Just just doing lots of fun stuff, which has been great. So, um, yeah. It's I been, like that. Well, good luck good. to all of our competitors. Exactly. This uh, this weekend or this week coming up. These these shows take, what, five days almost, right? So Yeah, they jogged. So many they classes jogged yesterday, and stuff. Yeah, Wednesday. They jogged and yesterday. They and so, mm. you know, you got your young riders. You got your young horses. You got it's everybody. It's just it's crazy down there. It is I, I can only handle it for four four days at a time. That's, that's <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not my laid back lifestyle. I, no, <laughs> sometimes we have to escape for sure, for sure. So, yeah, well, it's all good. I think we got a good show. What's what's going on? We have a really good show. So we're going to come back and talk with Richard Malgram again this week. I think you're really going to enjoy that. And Emily Miles, continuing our six-year-old uh, discussion, um, we're coming back with Emily Miles. So we have lots of good stuff. So and Our uh, trainer tip is going to include tips about the older schoolmaster. So, Or I think just kind of the older dressage horse in general, how to keep them fit and you know what you should be doing and and uh, I really like that talk as well. Yeah, I do. So we have a great show. So right after this commercial break, we're going to come back with Richard Malgram. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. You call his name and his head comes up as he walks toward you looking for the apple in your pocket. You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. 
A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet. Microphase vitamin and mineral supplement is a low-calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. We are so excited to have our friend Richard Malgram back on the show. He is our long lighting expert and he's he's my coach as well with long lighting and I, and I just endure my lessons with him. So Richard, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me again. I really appreciate it. Well, we are very thankful you are such a um, patient coach. <laughs> because log lighting, log lighting is something that's it's very hard to do. And we had a, a lesson actually this morning. And I'm lucky enough when we're in Florida that we're able to, to take lessons. And I think I'm slowly getting better with my skills. Um, but it's really an art. And um, we were going to talk about this. is We did a, a segment last year. And, and I was so happy to have you back for a segment this year. So we're sort of doing long lining 2.0 today. We did 1.0 <laughs> last, last year. So please feel free to, you can look up Richard's uh, previous interview on our website. But um, Richard, tell us, uh, 2.0, what are we talking about today with longlining? Well, first and foremost, you know, riding is an art, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, longlining is, is riding from the ground. So that's why it's, it's also obviously an art. Uh, and like anything, when it comes to art, you know, you have to dedicate time to it, you know, and you have to be you know, get, get yourself familiar, uh, and comfortable with the, the lines, you know, uh, and then, you know, the constant moving, going with the horse, you know, because it is not lunging. It, it is riding from the ground and, um, and therefore, you know, it, it takes, it takes the skills so that you are constantly connected to the horse because it's only through, you know, your reins that you're actually in connection with the horse. Because obviously you don't have any weight aid, leg aids, seat aids, you know. Um, and so, you know, it is it is the reins, which then doesn't mean that the reins are supposed to be more than they are when you uh, when you ride, because then you're doing it wrong. You know, I'm not supposed to be sore in my biceps after I've long line, especially if I go do a clinic over a weekend, which I might do eight horses, you know, one day and then follow up the next day with eight horses again and then therefore i cannot you know be sore in my biceps it's just it doesn't work that way so it's um you know it is about having the same connection with the reins that you have when you ride and then <clears throat> that's when we go into what what can then the, the long lining what why is it so good and why what does it do to the horse and, and it's so much about that the horse has to you know find his or her own balance and, and uh, being able to own up to his or her own weight and not lean on a inside leg or drift out and lean on the outside leg, you know. And, um, and again, without the visuals, but you have a special surcingle and, uh, and you are leather reins. And then I also use 
a little rain called an outrigger, which creates like a, a leading rain on the inside. And so that helps the horse with, with the bend in the, in the neck and the bend in the rib cage. And again, it just sets the horse up, um, you know, that at the end of the day, they have to figure out uh, how to use uh, their own body. And again, we know that the engine is in the hind legs and that we know that we steer not with the mouth, but we, and the head, but we steer, you know, with the shoulders. So that's how I like to see it, you know. Um, and then I want, first and foremost, to get an alignment of the horse. And, uh, and so then I, I get the horse to uh, start working on an octagon, you know, so that, again, we have some straight and then some small turns where the, where the shoulder comes around the, the haunch and then goes straight. And that way, the horse starts activating the inside leg, and the horse starts seeking the outside contact, you know. And, um, and then after that, when you have the horse connected and the horse starts aligning, you have obviously the opportunity to see the horse from a trainer's perspective because you are on the ground. And then you can study the horse's body. And you can see, does the horse actually land up with its hind leg in the front feet hoof print? That way you know that the horse is aligned, and you know that the horse is engaged. If it doesn't track up, then you know that there's tightness and the horse is not through. So that gives you that perspective because we all learn auditorial, visual, and kinesthetic. And again, the visual part is the one thing that we don't get a lot when we ride. You know, uh, you can have all the mirrors in the world, but it doesn't really, really gives you the feeling of seeing a horse and rider from the ground. And, you know, we should video ourselves a lot more, but it's, again, a video, as we all know, it's not always, it's way better than not videoing for sure. But <clears throat> this way of being able to see your horse in the flesh when you're longlining is just such a, a, a big positive thing. And then even if you don't longline, because a lot of places where I go, I am actually the one longlining the horse. There's, you know, quite few people that actually do uh, want to learn it and taking the time, you're one of the few, you know, I probably have just about a handful of people that actually are dedicated and wants to, to learn and that I actually go and, and teach, you know, most of the places I go. <laughs> it is fun, but, but takes, uh, like you said, you have to dedicate time. Like it's hard. It's not easy. You make it look so easy. Like, Oh, I can do that. Yeah. Go on out there and take those yeah. reins. <laughs> it's hard no and that's so true and that's why sometimes i do hand the reins to, to to people when they are really wanting to learn it and then it takes maybe five minutes and then they not even that sometimes sometimes they just see it you know they go into a clinic thinking that they're gonna they're gonna do it by the end of the clinic and and then not even like taking the reins but just watching my first session with their horse they are like well there's no way you know that i can do this and again you got to make a decision. Do I want to learn this or do I want to give my horse the best opportunity for this part of training, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, you can't have it both, but Reese and Philip, how long have you guys dedicated your time to, to, to ride? You know, it takes yeah. time. It, it's like riding lots of different horses, you know, it's because again, they're all different. Just like you're different from me, Philip, you're different from me. You know, we're all individuals, just like the horses, you know, uh, and that's also what's so incredibly uh, addictive to the sport that we're in and to the art that we're in, you know, and and um, 
and you know it's uh it's just uh, again part of a different you know cross training you know uh that really really can help the horse figure out its own balance uh, uh both uh, longitudinal and then horizontal and then lateral you know and uh, so it's it's uh it's definitely a lot of faces in the long line and like i said the first one is to get the horse to uh, <clears throat> to get aligned and then by getting aligned then he can start releasing in the withers because that's the place where the most horses hold tension you know and so we want to get access to the back we want to have the engine being able to propel up through the haunches over the back and then through the withers and up to the pole you know and so only by getting access to the back is how we're going to get it to come through and recycle the energy and um and again to be able to to um to work on getting the horse to stretch which again we talked a little bit before when we recapped about uh Carl Hester uh how important and how much he addressed on all the horses in all the levels to stretch down. And so this is what, what I really address when I go and do my clinics is that the horse has to become aligned and then he has to let go in the withers and <clears throat> he can only release in the back when the pole gets below the withers. And I always say that a full stretch is when he imaginarily could uh, roll a soccer ball with his nose, you know, and, and, um, and then we know that he is really, really opened up in the back and the nuchal ligaments in the back is, is free. And then, and then it's about making, you know, of course, flexing. You know, you, you start compressing the back and then you stretch it out again. So that it becomes like the accordion. Um, and it's the same thing, you know. I, again, can't do a visual here, but, you know, you go to the gym and you grab a hold of a weight. You know, you're not seeing people like, you know, pumping it fast, 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 you know, it's like slow motion, you know, you lift and you let go and you lift and you let go and you lift and you let go. And again, you're not flexing your muscle and then grab hold of the weight and then start lifting the weight. No, we let the arm out so that the, the biceps muscle is, is relaxed. And then you grab a hold of the weight and then you use the whole range of motion to start flexing it, you know? And it's like when I describe this, when people are seeing me, what I do, and it's like, well, you know, that makes sense. Well, you know, so many <laughs> things when we relate it to, to, to other sports and to, and to how we work, you know, because our sport has two athletes, you know, and so muscles works the same way, whether they're on a human or on a horse. So, you know, it's just a lot of times to be able to break it down and make people aware about those things uh and again we're not training full show mode six days a week because nobody can do that you don't think mm -hmm. that roger federer and and rafael nadal in tennis are like playing you know match tennis you know every single day you know no you know again they do interval training they do distance training they do weightlifting training they do mental training, you know, and, and these things so that they can go in and then turn the dial up and perform. And this is something also I believe that we need to start seeing that in, in the sport that, you know, we don't train 
full force every day. Pirouettes, diagonals, one-time tempis, drilling them, pirouettes. And then, you know, we did it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then now on Saturday, we're going to show. The horse comes in and it's completely pooped and tired and just can't, can't do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to we have to put up a program and this is again where i love this whole thing about cross training and how you know doesn't mean we have to lower our standards you know no absolutely not you know we should have high standards in whatever we do you know uh, but we can we can do variety uh level of work you know and the variety places of doing work you know uh so that it doesn't become you know, boring and it doesn't, you know, become just a, kind of a, a, a drilling, you know, and uh, and I think that this is what I believe so much that the eventers are better than us. And I believe that we can learn a lot from our different uh, Olympic sports, you know, uh, and they can learn from us, you know, the same thing with the show jumpers, you know, between a, a fence, you have to have, you know, <clears throat> the horse you know, in dressage to be able to make a turn on the dime, almost like a, a pirouette turn in canter to then get to the next fence, you know, and, uh, and we need to open up our horses and canter them forward, you know, and not sort of hold on a little bit and say, you know what, he might throw in a buck there, you know, well, it's because there's tightness then, you know, he needs to be able to open up. Um, so, Again, that's just, you know, I just, I just love this part of, of being able to, uh, to incorporate uh, different things but not uh, sacrifice the, the standards, you know? That's awesome. Richard, sorry, while I have you on, I was kind of uh, looking forward to having you on about longlining because I have kind of a specific longlining question. I do it a little bit with the young horses, especially before I break, you know, back them and, and during that process. So if you can can handle a question here and, and give me a good answer, I would be very appreciative. Um, so I'm yeah. longlining, and I have the horse. I like to drive them forward, and I like them, you know, kind of to be connected and into my hand. Now, if I was on top of their back, I would, you know, at, at this stage of the game, be maybe giving a half halt to kind of slow the rhythm and get everything a little bit more underneath themselves. I find it difficult because I am driving the horse to the bit when i'm doing the long lining how do i create that moment of give you know like what physically do i have to do um to make that happen so normally what i try and do is just to um to kind of take a quicker step to the horse but i don't always know if, if that's if that's just something that i've like i've never really been taught to line long line so this is why i wanted an expert you know how do you create that moment of give after a half halt when you are not on the, like if I was on their back, I would kind of give my arms and, and lean forward a little bit, but obviously I'm not, you know, I can't, I'm not, it's, it's different. So maybe you can help me explain yeah. or explain to me uh, a long lining half halt and then I can go and do it better. Yeah, no. So it all goes together. And, and again, Carl Hester said half halts, there's millions ways of, of describing it. But at the end of the day, it's about a rebalance, you know? And, and so what I do again, with the with the uh, the long lining is that I I want you know the the straight turn and so I use patterns as, as the octagon or a pentagon okay. or a diamond shape you know yeah. uh, and 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 so when I then 
go and let's just say we're going to, in the left uh, to the left. And so if I want the horse to turn a little bit on a, on a diamond uh, pattern and I go towards the haunch because the horse sees me because of the way a horse's eye is constructed, you know, it, 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 it sees me three quarters, you know, behind the horse. So if I take one step, you know, towards the haunch, it sees me doing that. And that is a little bit the invitation for that left shoulder to come in. And in the same part where I go in towards the haunch, I, again, I, I do my half halt, you know? And so yeah. it's like a, it's like a, it's a, it's a, a, a sequence, the, uh, uh, pattern that happens where, where, because my body has to be, you know, uh, even if it's not on the horse, it has to be the part of also influencing the horse of how to direct him or her, you know? So yeah. <clears throat> again, imagine yourself on this pattern, octagon, pentagon, uh, diamond shape. And then when you come to a point where you're going to make a turn, then you go a little bit towards the haunch. And then again, you squeeze with your outside rein. And then I say sometimes squeeze, release, which means turn and then let go. Squeeze, release, turn and, and straight, you know, turn yeah. and straight. So, yeah. So, so it, if I understand it, you right, if af after the, after the turn is my next step towards the back of the horse again. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's what the creates the drive. release on the yep. outside rein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got it. Got it. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And again, it's, it's just very, very hard. You know, we had this discussion today actually in, yeah. in, uh, in, uh, Reese's, you know, yeah. session, yeah. you know, because again, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a little bit of a aha uh, feeling, but it's also seeing it being done, and it's like, right. okay, I get it, you know. And then to try to uh, replicate it and doing it, and then you're like, okay, I get it, you know, because it is, it is, it's not. You always have to be, like I said, you always have to be connected because the reins are your only way of staying connected to the horse. So you can't never yeah. really throw them away, because. Yeah. Because then, then the horse becomes like, oh, what happened now? There's, you know, it's just out there in the, in the free space. You know, you have to, you have to follow the horse, and that's why again we never stand still uh, when we long line. We all constantly move uh, with the horse, so that we can have this connection with the the horse's mouth. But again, never to think that it's supposed to be heavier in the mouth. You right. know, um, it's supposed to carry itself. You know, because that's the whole point of creating self-carriage and ownership of the horse's yeah. own body. Um, yeah. I, I think my, I think my issue stems from doing too many straight lines in which the horse gets kind of going and running against the bit a yep. little bit. Yep. So the idea of doing more turns to create better balance, yep. I think will yep. result in a better situation for my personal long lining issues journey so i, I yeah. thank you for that yeah i appreciate it yeah you're welcome my pleasure hopefully we can do a live session one of these days. yeah we'll do a session oh that, that would awesome. be so I would love fun that. Yeah. i love it well richard thank you so much for coming on you've been so generous with your time and if our listeners would like to get a hold of you how can they find you best way today in this world we're living in is probably facebook uh you can search me for richard momgren and 
you know, uh, you can send a message uh, through that that medium, and uh, that way we can we can connect. Fantastic, Richard. Thanks so much. Thanks again, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Sterling Essentials offers scented natural leather cleaners and conditioners that provide effective care for your leather, containing a special blend of natural food-grade products as well as therapeutic-grade essential oils. They are specially formulated to match the pH of leather. This ensures that your leather is nourished and protected while still being gentle on you and your horse. By providing a natural barrier to protect against water damage, mold, and mildew, your leather can remain in mint condition year-round. Both Sterling Essentials Leather Cleaner and Leather Conditioner are offered in lavender, eucalyptus, and floral citrus fragrances. Ask for Sterling Essentials Leather Products at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can visit them online at sterling-essentials.com. Well, for our next guest in our Young Horse Six-Year-Old series is Emily Miles um, from Kansas. She is no stranger to the Young Horse and or FEI ring, uh, so I hope you enjoy. Chips, Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We're super excited to have you back. And um, so let's start talking about six-year-olds. What? You train a lot of young horses. You've trained young horses your entire life. Um, So let's talk about what your expectations are for a six-year-old. I really like six-year-olds. Like, I feel like the six-year-old year is where they kind of grow up, you know, and you can kind of start to start to see the future clearly, you know. So the six-year-old, I mean, most people think that's when the flying change comes in and that's the most difficult part. And, you know, it's we see the half passes and the trot in that test. So we have, we have to show some collection and some extension. So it's, it's a big jump for a lot of horses because of those things. Um, but I think it's really a fun year because, like I said, they become less young horses and more adults. I totally agree. Yeah, I think that's good. I, I mean, I, I, um, for my six-year-olds, I mean, this is the first time I'm sort of teaching any kind of real collection. So I think that, you mm-hmm. know, when you can really kind of package a horse together and, you know, really bring the, ba- the back of the horse up and, you know, see what you got. And I think see that's how they what, respond, that, and then yeah, they often the, have more strength already to kind of show you a little bit more. Yeah, so I think that's why it, it's you know? that's why it's fun because you're mm-hmm. certainly starting to lead into uh, you know uh, an experienced, advanced horse and mm-hmm. a horse that's a little easier to control because when you're when you're <laughs> thinking about packaging the them, you know when you're putting your leg on and uh, and offering them a little Very bit of contact, you're going to get a, a little bit more control hopefully, and then. You know, I think up until I this, it's, it's not really fair. Like the four-year-olds and five-year-olds are the ones that need to be able to do shoulder in and haunches in the most, like to get their brains in gear and to get them focused. You know, they need to have a really good half all and they need to have like the ability to go forward and come back and pay attention, you know, but they don't get those things. They, they are stuck with little baby leg yolks, you know, so yeah. you don't have very many tools riding a four and five-year-old dude trying to steer, you know, but the six-year-old you start to get all those tools and you get to use them and it's, it's, it's a big year and it's a fun year, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think it is too. I think the horses at six, they're also mature and they can, they're ready to sort of accept 
the, the mm-hmm. questions that you're going to ask them, right? So like you said, the flying changes, the half passes, most six-year-olds. Now, again, you know, we're, we're talking about horses that have been at a program since they were little. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it's different if somebody calls you and they haven't had a six-year-old started. Right. Um, right. Good luck with that. Call him, you know, call me. Yeah, like good luck for that. But you know, when it when it comes to like when it comes to something else, you, you know, they're ready. You know, hopefully they've been to yeah. horse shows and they know how to get on trailers and know how to clip exactly. and all exactly. of those all of those. And things. hopefully they've been through the program, you know, as a four and a five year old or at least done the test. And so you kind of have an idea what the judges think about them, where you're not holes, but the tendencies are, oh, my horse has a short neck. I tend to, you know, this is an issue. It has been for the last two years. And, you know, it's just something I need to keep control of or keep my eye on. So you kind of have a training program in place. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit already more than just a young horse test, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're there ready to go, you know? So it's a fun year, I think. Well, um, you know, physically, they should be growing as tall as they're going to get, you know, and, and all of the growth plates should have Not closed. Not necessarily. And, yeah. Oh, no. grew one inch his six-year-old year. Like, really? Wow. Get, he grew an entire inch, but he's really a late developer, and, like, all of his babies are, too. But in general, I would agree with you, but Wake Up was weird and still grew an inch that last year. It's interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, then, yeah, you still have to be thinking about that if they're developing and you know, so uh, how many how many days a week are you riding this age of horse, or you know, what's your what's your so plan for them? We do like five six days a week, but not every day do we do like quote unquote dressage working them. You know, like some days I'll I'll get on the six year old and just be like, walk, trot, canter, you're done. Just stretch your legs and whatever. If they're out on pasture, like I have a six year old that lives out on pasture, then you know he probably only gets worked worked like three days a week you know like honestly worked where he has to do the changes he has to do the trot work other than that like you know another two days a week i get on and just either hack him over some cavalettis or whatever but not but even you know even my older horses i wouldn't say work work everything five six days a week i think three days a week to work everything is plenty i think you know, and oftentimes I'll get on them and be like, oh, okay, let's just work on, you know, this right half pass today, or that's all I'm going to focus on. And yes, you warm them up and then you do that, but you don't go through the whole program. And I think that's smart with young horses is to like, you know, get in and get out. You don't want to bore them to death with circles and dressage. So (laughs) I think that that's important. So I think a big topic is the flying change and the introduction of the flying change. And I think, uh-huh. um, you know, at this point we should address that. So, what, you know, let's hear about your program, your tips and tricks and your approach to teaching a flying change. Um, I actually really like flying changes. I don't know why, but um, I feel like it's either something you do or you don't. You know, it's not like a half pass where, oh, that could be better or that could be worse. Either they did the change and it was clean or they didn't do the change. So it's like one of those few black and white things in dressage. I really like them, actually. I usually start teaching the horses the changes, like, when they're in the fall, winter of their five-year-old year. So by the time spring rolls around their six-year-old year, you have to to kind of have them. And I think it's so uh, frustrating, maybe let's say that, that, like, it seems like a lot of horses are very good canners, whatever, you've done all your homework, 
you start the changes, they pick them up right away. And then like they go through the space of like, what the heck am I actually doing? This is weird. And then they forget them. Am I right, Reese? Like, have you had that same experience? Like they yeah. get them, they lose them and they get them. It's yes. always like that. And then yes. we've had owners who are like, oh, look, last month it was fine. What's going on? You know? And now you kind of just have to be like, before we even start the changes, let me tell you, he's going to be a genius at them. And then he's going to forget what he's doing. And then he's going to figure them out again. And that time they're going to stick. Like, then he's going to know them, you know? I think the horse finds them fun at first and a little bit of a change of pace. And then all of a sudden, then, oh, well, this seems a bit like work. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm not having so Maybe. much fun. Anymore. I don't know. I feel like, like sometimes in the beginning, they just, like, do it on accident. And they're, like, yeah. doing it. They don't realize what they're doing. And then, like. Then they realize what they're doing, and they're like, wait, that's kind of weird. I don't know if I can do that. That seems strange, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, the kind of quality is really important before you do the change. The ability to make your horse straight. I think being able to ride a counter canner and be able to flex, counter flex, ride shoulder in, ride shoulder out in the counter canner, like, is super important. You have to be able to manipulate your horse, and they have to accept it, you know? But I think that, that in that way, the changes actually can really help the quality of the canner and help the quality of the gate because you are required to make sure that you have everything in place. You know, the canner's nice and active, that you can adjust the straightness, that you can send them forward without that they lose the packaging, you know, that, that they can listen to the slightest, hey, now you have to still go forward while we're in counter canner because you need some momentum for this change, you know. So that work of the flying changes not the actual flying change but the actual work to get them prepped for it i think it's super for the canner in general you know so um i was just gonna say that 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 I, for me is the key right um a mistake that i made earlier you know in my riding and training of horses is and i see it now all the time because i can you know um look at the faults that i've done is that when yeah. someone has problems with the changes that they actually ride a lot of changes where yeah. if you yeah. think that the problem is the quality of the canner or the balance in the canner or something else other than the actual change itself. If there's something, there's a problem in the preparation or the rideability mm -hmm. or the suppleness. Then you start mm -hmm. to say, well, the change is only uh, a show good of how good my canner is or, you know, how right. balanced my horse exactly. is or how. So I think a lot of people, uh, like I said to myself too, would just say, you know, try and fix the change, fix the change and get so frustrated and fixated and making the horse nervous and, and causing more problems than you're creating. I think mm -hmm. now, now in my program, I will try a change or two with a horse and say, okay, that was mm -hmm. good. And why was it good? Or that was bad. Now I have to go back and fix the hole in the canter that caused the change not to work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and when you're learning, when you're learning, it's good to have a school, a horse that's schooled. So you can figure out what it is the rider has to do to make the change good. And then you absolutely, absolutely. And, and okay. then you can, so for, you, you know, you can move forward from that point. To that point, like I got to learn changes on a horse that knew them. My mother, who is also my trainer and trains a lot of young horses, she learned changes on her stallion that was very nervous about the changes and would like kind of take off in them and whatever. So she has baggage in her changes, you know? And yeah. so because of that, like, I'll help her with the changes all the time. Like, just because I don't have that baggage. And so I don't get nervous about them myself. I don't think they're a big deal. I don't get worked up about it where she does. Like, just because she didn't have the opportunity to start on a young horse. But, and then uh, since we're on, like, 
what to get nervous about with changes. I would say I see the biggest issue with the changes is that like people try to help the horse too much, you know, like people try to think that it's such a change of bend, you know, when you watch a young horse canter, like on the lung line for the first time, they often like when they're cantering on the right lead, they often look a little bit to the the left so that they, their balance is right front leg is forward, nothing on the left to the left. So that those oppose each other and therefore they're balanced. I see so many people try to do the change and I do it myself. It's like instinct, you know, I don't know what it is about us, but we were like, want to pull the inside rein into the new change. You know, we want to pull the horse to the new direction. And that's totally counterintuitive to what the horse would do. When a horse naturally canters, they naturally want to be counterflexed. When you sit on a horse the first time and you pick up the canter to pull on the inside rein and ask them to canter, you're, probably going to get a horse that's either running, running, running in the trot, or they're going to pick up the wrong lead, you know, to get the correct lead, we have to have the outside rein, right? And that's why we put an outside leg back, because it's the outside hind leg that has to strike forward. But in the changes, for some reason, we all, most of us, I do it, we all try to pull the horse to the new direction, pull him to the inside. And I think that's a, like a huge, like, okay, we need to not do that outside rein, outside leg, new outside rein, outside leg, right? Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think the advice here is if you don't, yeah, if you don't know changes, don't try and teach your six year old flying changes because you'll cause more problems than you'll fix. Um, You know, eyes on the ground, you know, that kind of thing. Eyes on the ground. Exactly. But at some point you got to try, right? Like at some point you got to get a, get a, get a trainer to teach a horse first. I think that makes a lot more, the the money is well spent. I think in that situation, right? Is get somebody schooled who knows changes. Depends on who you are. Depends on who you are. If you're an adult amateur that you know wants to have their six year old learn how to do changes and wants to continue on get their bronze medal, whatever, then yes, probably best for your horse, best for time, whatever. But at the same time, if you don't, if you're a young rider and have never taught a horse flying change and decide to send it off to training so that it learns the flying change and comes back and you can ride it, then you're never going to learn how to teach a horse a flying change. Like if you, if you've ridden flying changes and you're a young talented rider or an older talented rider, you feel like you have a pretty good sense of where your legs are at and you've ridden changes. Like then ask your trainer, can I ride some changes on your horse? Good, fine. And then try it. Like, yeah, that, that, I like Learn that plan. You have to know what it feels thing. like first, though. That's what, absolutely. That was my, you yeah. have to know how it feels like, and you have to not get that baggage. You know, like yeah. if you, like I said, my mom's a prime example, and I hate to, I hate to throw, throw her under the bus. But it's true. It's like, true. I mean, she, learned, she didn't have anybody to help her, so she was like, "I got to teach my horse how to do a flying change." She was a trainer, hot, and learned how to run. And she looks back now, and she'll say it herself. She was like, "I was so." stupid i would try counter cannoning on like a 10 meter circle to try to get him to do something you know and but you gotta learn somehow she didn't have anybody to help her from the ground you know she didn't yeah have the opportunity to sit on another horse exactly so, yes it gives you tons of baggage and it's not good to like just try it on a whim without any sort of plan in mind but at the same time like i've had a, a few students who like all put on a green change on the horse and now I'm like, okay, now you have to continue on. You have to figure it out. Like they have an idea. You figure it out now. Well, and I, I think, don't think there's something thing... we have to be scared of. I no, don't think, I don't think they are. Have to be scared of. 
I don't think they are. And I think changes get, get people get really hyped up about them. And I think maybe that's one thing you learn is like, (laughs) they will learn them. Sometimes they learn them quick and sometimes they don't. I tell people six months. I mean, personally, I say, give me six months because people are like, when are they going to learn it? Or I'm pretty sure the Baratus Schmidt said it takes a year for a horse to have a solid confirmed flying change both ways. Yeah. And I think by that he means that like you can do it on the quarter line, you can do it from true lead to counter canner, you can do yep. it counter canner to true lead, you can do it on a circle line. You, so like yeah. I think his idea of what is a solid flying change is probably more than what you see most six year olds doing. But I do think that like for them to really know on the age every time, ninety nine point five percent of the time. It, it'll take a year. So, yeah. like, I mean, so, you got to so get started, t- right? Calm down. Exactly. That's what I tell people. <sighs> calm. <sighs> take a deep breath. Like, they will learn this. And uh, some yes. learn it quicker than others. Some, you know, there's always one lead that's easier than the other lead. Exactly. And these are all very common, common things. And, um, Absolutely. But I, and I, I sometimes, totally agree. like, sometimes they need to kick up to do the flying change the first time, you know, don't panic. It's not like they're going to kick up for the rest of their lives. Yeah, you know? exactly. They won't I do, do forever. Think, like, I do think that a late change is a problem though. Like, I don't think you can be complacent. Oh, is complacent the right word? Is that the word I'm yeah, looking for? Yeah. But, no, like, it's complacent because that's hard to fix. You can't be like, oh, it's a late change. We'll fix that in a couple months. Like, that's a problem. Like, yeah. I would so much rather have the horse, like, crooked or jumping to the side not straight or you know kicking a little bit out behind every door in a late change i feel like that's that you can't end the ride with a bad change or late change yes you'll have them some days but yeah i mean it it cannot become like oh it's been a late change for two months that's that's no it's so true well, well and, and, and i think everybody can see like six-year-olds again they're still growing they they exactly. still need a lot of strength um mm-hmm. and and I, I found with my bigger six-year-olds um you know i have one that's just a he just taking him a long time because it's a big horse and sometimes yeah like said sometimes he comes out and i'm like oh my gosh he's amazing and other days yeah. i'm like Oh, we should just walk around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just yeah. growing and weird and, and getting muscles. And, you know, I think that's very normal. But, you know, exactly. I think six-year-old year is a really, really fun year. Exactly. Well, Emily, we can't thank you enough for your time. You've been so generous with us. And thank you so Thanks. much. If our listeners have any questions about young horses, um, how can they get a hold of you? Um, you know, you can find me on Facebook. Isn't that cliche? I'm only... <laughs> Yuxer Miles, and then you can also email me. It's Wally Wu Farm, W A L L Y W O O F A R M at gmail.com. Awesome, Emily. Thanks so much, and give that sweet thanks, baby thanks. a kiss for us. He is so cute. Will do. He turns one on Saturday. Can you believe that? No. Crazy. Oh my gosh. It is wow. been a year. It's you gotta crazy. love. I bet you gotta love Time Facebook because I feel like I've I know your baby, but I don't know your baby. So congratulations. Well, he's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Have Bye. a great night. So for this week's total saddle fit, Phil and I are coming back with a listener question. But as always, we just want to tell you real quick about the Total Saddle Fit Shoulder Relief Gurse. Um, As always, Phil and I use these every day and we use, I I use literally each one of the products on all my horses. Um, And and it just depends on which horse I'm using in them and for why. Um, Phil, how about you? 
my favorite is the the stretch check shoulder relief girth mm-hmm. that has the elastic over the middle. I think this mm-hmm. this is the girth that has done the most for the horses. This is also my favorite girth because it has different liners. So you can use uh, the neoprene liner, which is great for everyday training. And then if I want to make it look fancy or, or have it on a horse that doesn't like the neoprene, it has a leather liner that you can get also. I mean, it's it's perfect because it's so versatile and it can it can work on so many different horses. And they have it in black for the horses that go in black and brown for mm-hmm. those uh, chestnuts that go in the brown tack. I think it's great that you have so many options with Total Saddle Fit to, to be able to get what you need and at the right price point for you and your horse. So you can get everything that you need at totalsaddlefit.com. Next up will be the tip. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, we have another great listener question for the week. So what what do you have for us? Well, um, this was the second part. We tackled a... The first part of this question from this listener um, before on an earlier show, and we thought we'd split into two separate parts because they're kind of interesting questions, and we wanted to be able to tackle them independently. So the second part of the question was, what role does lunging play in the older upper-level horses? Um, How much are you lunging? What are the benefits? Is it a routine thing? Can you do it to help strengthen top line? And uh, as an extra part to this is, what are any more tips for keeping the older schoolmaster in shape? Okay. So uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you here, Reese, and, okay. and then I'll give you my thoughts after. Okay, perfect. Um, so, yeah, I think lunging is a great tool. You know, we use it. Um, one of the things, my horses are, are all pretty good on the lunge. Um, and one of the things, one of the reasons they're good um I like whoever is working for me to lunge them when I'm out of town. So my horses will lunge a little bit when I'm gone. Um, and, and more that's just, it depends on who I have that is around that rides them or not. So that's one of the things that, that we do use lunging if, if I'm traveling or something like that. So, um, and that's not all the time. And again, this question sort of, it's hard to give a general on an FEI horse because you know, typically FEI horses are older, so I don't love lunging them a lot. I don't love lunging them on a small circle. I don't love that concept, but again, some horses need it. And some horses, um, you know, I have one horse in my barn. He's not an FEI horse, but he really needs to lunge once a week. And he does much better. It's just a little bit freedom. He can move and crack his back around and, um, you know, it works well for that particular horse. Um, so I think lunging there are some really good manuals out there. USDF has a very good lunging manual uh, that the instructor certification, you have to do that. Um, but it's a good manual to kind of go through and, and look. And we've talked about it before on the show. So I do think that um, it has a place. Uh, I am a little bit careful as they get older because, again, uh, as they get to be FEI horses, you know, there are a lot more demands on their legs. Um, but I think a nice light lunge, uh, is not a bad thing. I think sometimes if the horses are a little bit sore in their back or they need to move around. Um, but part of that question was how to get uh, an FEI horse fit. Um, you know, I don't I don't necessarily myself use lunging in that way. I may do it 
like I said, just to get them out if I'm not around or that kind of thing. Um, for my horse, older horses, and again, FEI, you know, I have, I have a seven-year-old FEI horse to, to a 16, 17-year-old FEI horse. So there's a big range in age in those guys. Um, but my older ones, I do a lot of walking. Actually, I, I'm a big believer in those guys need to walk at least 20 minutes in the beginning and at least 15, 20 minutes at the end in their works in the middle. So, uh, you know, that it really that's what I like to do with my older guys. Um, I think walking is good. And sometimes we'll do two a days with the older guys or the FEI horses. Um, they'll go out in the morning um, and do work and then get turned out or do whatever they're doing. And then I'll get back on them in the afternoon just to do walking. Um, and that's a mostly walking work that I do. Uh, sometimes I'll try and canter. Sort of, again, depends on the horse and how much fitness I want to get on them. So uh, that's kind of my take on that. Phil, how about you? Yeah, I really do not like lunging for any older horses. I think yeah. it's a disaster. It puts a lot of torque on the hawks, which is, mm-hmm. and the suspensories, which are the kind of the first things to go. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, long rain riding, yeah, long rain walking, hacking, yeah. you know, that kind of thing is great. But, mm-hmm. you know, as far as a way to strengthen or train a horse, mm-hmm. by the time the horse is at FEI, you're really looking at the top of the training scale. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking about um, straightness and collection. You're not going to achieve that with lunging. You you can't achieve no. much of what you want to train in an older horse in lunging. So, uh, yeah, going around in a circle is just just terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah <I laughs> you mean, know, exactly. I'm married to a vet. I'm married to a vet. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, I yeah. think you talk to any vet. I think they don't really like lunging at all because a horse running around in a circle is just yeah. not really good for them. So. Um, definitely not routinely. I mean, if they need to let off a, some steam, then they get free, free lunch. Like if a horse needs a little bit of exercise, you know, and we run to that in the winter where turnout's not really great because the ground mm-hmm. is so hard and icy and you got a horse with that kind of pent up energy, then I'm not going to spin them around on a lunge line. I'm going to let them go free and they can run around as much as they want or as little as they want and they can get their own energy out to, you know, to, in their own way right and they can you know they can gallop if they want i don't mind but then i think it's free for them to choose Ah, that freaks me out yeah see i'm like ha no (laughs) but my guys my horses are you know they they do get to go out most of the time so i don't i don't run into that but free yeah see free lunging freaks me out it's it's funny everybody's a little bit different but you know free lunging free lunging definitely freaks me out a little bit <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! But you know, we don't we don't free lunge very often. And again, if the horses are free lunge their entire life, then it's not a big deal. You know, if yeah. I were to free lunge my FEI horse, he probably well, like, I just use it as turnout. It's not I don't exactly around exactly. free lunge. It's I just use it as turnout that they can yeah. go up in the indoor arena or whatever workspace that we have where the footing is good and and whatever, and they can. I mean, you know, sometimes they'll choose to jog around. Sometimes they'll do alongside and, and, and canter, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Better that they have their own choice and they can balance themselves. And if they want to put a buck in, then they can do that. No, I, I certainly don't chase them around the indoor arena because there's no p- purpose in it. Yeah. Um, the older schoolmasters in shape, I think it's all about planning. You know, mm-hmm. So you should know at the beginning of your week, this day I'm going to do this. The next day might be an off day or a walk day or you know something like that, that you know, from... Um, from from like Monday to the following Monday, you have a definite plan and that you don't, um, you know, do certain exercise for three days. You wouldn't do pirouettes for three days in a row or, you know, that you have, 
you know, things uh, staggered out, you know, hard work day, we do this, you know, PF massage, then, you know, the next work day will be stretch trot, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, you know, they get a little variety and also you're not putting um, strain on the joints day after day, um, you know, doing repetitive. It's a, it's the repetitions, I think, that really catch up with you and not necessarily, um, you know, what, what you're doing over the week. It's just doing the same thing. Uh, day after day is a bit of is a bit of a problem so um i mean you can add variety you can add some poles we talk about young horses like pole work older horses keep it interesting they like a little bit of pole work too um you can space out your bending days versus your collection days you know something like that just really uh, think about a plan and then and then try and follow it and uh and you know keep them going for as, as long as you can those schoolmasters are so valuable for learning and teaching that you want to be fair to them and fair on, on their bodies while still continuing to, to do stuff. I think that's a balancing act. And I, we, I really try and keep my veterinarians involved in, in this process mm-hmm. of the older guys because, uh, the longer oh, you yeah. going, you know, the more value you get out of them. Um, I think that's really important. So those are my thoughts. Fantastic. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. That's how we roll. I like it. I like it. Well, as always, thanks so much for your your questions. We are always happy to give a give an answer. So thank you so much for keeping those coming. And we look forward to the next one. Well, as always, Phil and I love email and Facebook shout outs. Please send us all your questions. We love them. And if we can't answer them, we will find somebody that can. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. (laughs) 